0: E. Michael Jones is a Catholic traditionalist, journalist, historian, author, professor, lecturer, and editor of Culture Wars magazine. Dr. Jones is a relentless defender of traditional Catholic teachings and values from those who seek to undermine them. His latest book, The Dangers of Beauty, is available to buy online. It's great to have you, Michael. Thanks a million for coming on.
1: Thank you. Good to be here.
0: Yeah, You have a bit of Irish blood in you, here.
1: 50 percent. My, my uh, grandfather was... Uh was uh, born in Cork, uh, and my grandmother was born in uh, Balhadrine, and that's the Irish side of the family. My grandfather came over to Philadelphia in uh, 1900, uh, started a business, did very well until the Depression, and went on to have six children. Uh, and uh, that's where I come from, Philadelphia.
0: Well, you're, you're, you're one of our own, so well, practically. I am, at least 50%. Brilliant. Well, you've been on the front line of the culture war for decades, and we're delighted to have you here on Off Grid. I just want to kick it off, I suppose, with some, with some current affairs kind of stuff that's going on. You've been an outspoken critic of, of what appears to be the excessive influence of a certain ethno-religious group on American and global politics, media and culture. Kanye West has, has made headlines recently and was deplatformed after comments he made on Twitter. What's your take on this situation and the, like, can you give us a bit of a rundown on it?
1: Yeah, the, Kanye West is uh, the last, the most recent expression of uh, what what I've called the Black-Jewish Alliance, which dominated the uh, 20th century in America. Uh, it began in 1913 uh, with the lynching of Leo Frank, uh, a Jewish uh, owner of a factory, uh, convicted uh, of uh, murder and rape and sentenced to death uh, the sentence was commuted at the last minute by the governor, and the citizens. some citizens took the law into their own hands and carried out the execution. At that point, the uh, the Jews declared war on the South by forming a number of organizations. One of them was Bene Brith. Uh, the other was the NAACP, or the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People. This was a Jewish organization. Uh, Marcus Garvey, the great black nationalist from Jamaica, who was living in Harlem at the time. Uh, understood this. He went to uh, the headquarters of the NAACP and it was all Jewish lawyers. There wasn't a black person to be seen there. The first act, uh, the first crusade they embarked on was basically to destroy Marcus Garvey. They wanted to destroy any sense of black nationalism, any sense that black people had an identity and political interest of their own. Uh, They succeeded. And as a result, uh, the black people in the United States became Uh, basically vassals to the Jewish population. Uh, In particular, in the arts, it was very obvious. The Harlem Renaissance was basically a Jewish operation that appropriated Black material like jazz uh, literature and basically colonized it and created an identity for the Black person, which was basically as a symbol of sexual liberation. No matter what the Black person did himself, he was always being uh, shoehorned into this paradigm of the sexual revolutionary, uh, this came. Uh, this was important uh, for the white population. Uh, by the nineteen sixties, uh, you had the civil rights movement, which was basically the the slave rebellion that the uh, Jews had planned for the blacks. Now taking over the South, uh, you had groups in the North, Jews in the North, like uh, Norman Mailer writing his famous essay "The White Negro," in which he basically said that. The Negro, as the Jew understood him, was the paradigm uh, for the new, uh, the new American. Jack Kerouac, uh, uh, a Catholic from, uh, from uh, Massachusetts, wrote a book called uh, uh, On the Road, uh, the Beatnik Novel, uh, and in it he talked about wishing he were a Negro. Uh, this, is, this is the, the, the story, uh, Kanye West entered this story a, a long time after it began, a, hundred, a century after it began to be, to be more accurate and basically said what everyone knew uh, was obvious that the Jews control black entertainers. Uh, the, this Im- immediately created outrage among the Jews who control the media and then they punished, they're, they're still in the process of trying to punish him for, for saying what uh, everyone knows is true.
0: It's it's fascinating, like, because there's, and and you're you're probably definitely the man to to ask, because I was going to actually touch on it later on, but I suppose now we we could tie into it because there's, you know, it's self-destructive, and 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 it's very it, it's it's self-destructive for maybe the black population themselves, but also myself included. When I was younger, I used to like the the rap music and whatever else, and it's only as I matured and I got older, I realized it's it's incredibly toxic. It's I would go to say it's it's satanic it's demonic is there an agenda behind that so you're saying that there's influence there and they're, they're potentially pushing are they pushing some of that stuff to the front or did that just come from the community itself organically and then I was thinking about the I was going to touch later on on the on the abortion thing because we had the repeal the constitution here to allow it you know the, the Planned Parenthood seemed that their locations was very suspect from some of the things that I've read can you talk about that
1: yeah. Did you see The Commitments? Do you remember this movie? Did indeed. Yeah. Am I am I too old? It's not. It wasn't that long ago. What is the premise of The Commitments that the, the Irish are the blacks of Europe? That's, and it's about soul music and about all these guys are. Well, this is identity theft. This is the identity theft that the Jews perpetuate uh, all the time. Uh, they, they take away your identity. They give you a new identity, uh, just the same uh, same way they did that to, to, to the blacks. Uh, what, what we're seeing now in America over the summer, uh, in the spring, uh, the Supreme Court overturned the abortion ruling, Roe versus Wade. That and As soon as they overturned it, the Jews came forward and said abortion is a fundamental Jewish value and i just want it turns out by the, by the middle of the summer 140 jewish organizations had said abortion is a fundamental jewish value no one no jew had ever said this before certainly not in 1973 1973 that was all or if you go back earlier to 67 where it started in new york this was all about science it was all about feminism empowering women blah 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 it turns out that it was uh, basically a jewish coup d'etat that got imposed on the people of the United States of America. Because now they're saying, if you, uh, um, if you restrict the Jews' right to have an abortion, you're uh, interfering, you're prohibiting the Jew from celebrating his religion. Well, I'm not going to argue with 140 Jewish organizations. I think it's true. It is a Jewish, fundamental Jewish value. But what that means is that with Roe versus Wade, with the abortion decision in 1973, Jewish values, the Jewish religion was imposed on everyone in the United States of America. Well, you can't have it both ways. If that was the case then, then you can't expect us to go back to it now, now that, now that you're all being honest about the, the, the status of, of abortion in, among Jews. So this how does this work? I, I, I grew, uh, was raised Catholic in Philadelphia, Uh, I went to a private school. Uh, I'm just like uh, James Joyce. I was educated by Christian brothers and Jesuits. The Christian brothers uh, ran the high school. There were all of these Catholic academies, uh, private academies, all around the suburbs of Philadelphia. Most of them run by uh, orders of nuns. Over this period of time, the the nuns all became feminists. Not all of them, but predominantly these orders became feminists. And once the nuns became feminist, they started preaching. The girls started acting out uh, sexual, the sexual liberation. That is the basic premise of feminism. And once the Catholic schoolgirls got sexually liberated, they started having sex. And once they started having sex, they got pregnant. And once they had started, got pregnant, a lot of them had abortions. And at this point, all there are two options at this point. Either you can repent and say you're sorry you did it and go to confession, which is available to Catholics, or you can double down and say, it's the fault of the church, and I, I, I'm going to assert. see this as part of my freedom. If you don't repent after you've had an abortion, you become a Jew. Now, why do I say that? Because you act like a Jew. And how do I know that you act like a Jew? Because you vote like a Jew. And that is precisely the mechanism whereby the Jews took control of the political process over that period of almost 50 years. It was this right now, right there is a, uh, a race uh, for the governor in Pennsylvania between a Jew by the name of Josh Shapiro and a guy, an Italian who's probably a Catholic by the name of Mastriano. The Jews cannot get any one of their people elected. There are just too few of them. They can't get elected dog catcher in Kokomo. But what they're planning on is the Democratic Party's mobilization of guilt over abortion, especially among Catholics. That's what makes this crucial. That's what people have to have in mind or keep in mind whenever they start talking about abortion in some type of political vacuum.
0: Yeah, that was news to me there around that time that, that, that it was, that Roe v. Wade was overturned. There was images of um, a girl. She was heavily pregnant and she had her bump out and she was in favor of abortion. And I remember just looking into her backstory. It turned out that she was Jewish and she, she, she came out with this. It's part of her religion.
1: She said, I, I remember that the, the video, the YouTube video of this there, she's got with her bump uh, hanging out a pregnant belly. And she wrote on it, not a human yet. Well, this is Jewish science. What is it then? Is it a giraffe? I mean, this is, is it, once they get into this mode, once the jews start talking this way you understand the complete irrationality of of their of their thinking this this makes no sense and 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 you not only the, the irrationality but the the brutality in other words you're willing to kill this kid before it takes its first breath this is ridiculous and this is the uh, this is why i think they're going to lose when it comes to these state uh, debates over restricting abortion. And I think when they lose, this will be the beginning of the end of the Jewish control of our culture.
0: It'd be great to see a pushback. In Ireland, we've gone so far to the left. And it's it's not the Irish people's fault because the Irish are very kind-hearted and very, they're too trustworthy. And what's happened is our media has been taken over, our state run media, our, all the broadcasters, all the newspapers are into the, this far left, this whole far left agenda. And um, Catholic traditions are, you know, mocked, frowned upon and everything else. And I also wanted to touch on it. Maybe you might be following it. We have a guy, um, a devout Christian, he's in um, Mount Joy prison at the moment over um, refusing to use pronouns. Have you been following Enoch Burke's case?
1: No, no. Refusing to use pronouns. Oh, this is worse than I thought. I mean, you're, you're right up there with Canada now in terms of being a completely totalitarian state.
0: Well, I'll just clarify on it because what was happening was he he, he wouldn't refer to the student with the preferred pronouns that this child that was transitioning and um, they put him on suspension from work. And he wouldn't accept that suspension because he, this this guy is he's a, an exemplary teacher. He's written books. He's an author. Um, and, you know, he's of high moral uh, standing. And he, he basically he, he he turned up to the school every day. He said, no, I'm fit to teach. I haven't done anything wrong. So he kind of put it to them. And I think the rationale behind that was if he hadn't, he would have been sitting at home suspended and eventually it would have been swept under the rug. And, he, and his reputation will be destroyed. He won't be able to, to work in, in his profession. And this guy's overqualified right. for the job that he's in. So just to clarify, that's why he's in prison, because he's of contempt of court. Because the court right. ordered him to stop turning up to the school to teach. Um, and, and he refused to. So he kind of forced their hand a bit. But, and I think, he, I think he made the right choice. The, the guy's still in prison here. And there's not enough attention about it. You know, just ridicule from the, from the state-run media. Oh, his, cell, his cellmates can't stick listening to him. His beliefs are so strong yeah. that want to, you know this this kind of talk
1: yeah yeah they get you they they, they will uh, have some trumped up legal charge against you if you resist it then it's contempt of court and anything can be contempt of court and then it's suddenly removed from the initial uh uh crime so to speak which is ridiculous uh a ridiculous infringement on your rights as a teacher and as a human being so yeah it's it's i'm not surprised if that's the case
0: It's outrageous. It's absolutely outrageous. And after the the amendment was repealed here to allow abortion in Ireland, you had women um, dancing and partying in in Dublin Castle, and it it was shocked. Women, people around the world who even support abortion were shocked at like you know it's not really something to be partying about you know. And and I I would agree with a lot of your assertions where the blame falls. It does seem to the weight seems to fall heavier on certain groups. You know Margaret Sanger. Do you know much about her and the the Planned Parenthood? is there a Masonic, I know you're, you're you, there's, is the Masonic, are they, is that been run by the, the same Zionist, like this liberalism? Look at Ireland now compared to what it was 30 or 40 years ago. It's profound, like the change.
1: It is, it is. Now, if you're asking about Margaret Sanger, I don't see a uh, Masonic influence here. The, uh, the the big mover and shaker in this regard in the early 20th century was the Rockefeller family and they were invo- they were involved in promoting contraception and the uh, and they were the ones who bankrolled margaret sanger and the birth control league as a way of uh, basically dealing with uh, the problem of differential fertility which is basically that uh, the protestants who were the ruling class elite had adopted uh, birth control were using contraception and as a result the other groups namely the blacks and the catholics who were not using it were having more children and since demography is destiny, they were going to take over politically sooner or later. And so, people like John D. Rockefeller III, who went to Princeton where he met the uh, the demographer Frank Notstein. and uh, while he was there at Princeton, the big showdown took place between Margaret Sanger and the Catholic Church. Uh, Margaret Sanger uh, went before Congress. She wanted the the, the she wanted the Congress, to get into the business of subsidizing contraception because she felt that there were certain people who weren't fit to reproduce. She was straight out of the eugenics movement. And so she read the letter uh, from uh, allegedly some woman who said, I'm poor and I don't have enough food to eat and my children don't have shoes, so please send us uh, birth control, send us contraception. And at that point, Monsignor John Ryan, who was the head of the Catholic uh, Welfare Association, stood up and said, well, what what are you going to do? Uh, eat eat the condom? Uh, you're going to put it on your feet? Uh, they, and then went on to say that this is not going to solve any of the pressing problems of the depression, any of the poverty. It's simply a ploy used by the rich to to uh, regulate the numbers of the poor. And then he gave it ended by talking about uh, your, your temples are all empty and the new generation is going to take over. That was the Catholics in the 1930s. Uh, and uh, he was referring to the Catholics. Uh, and uh, that was their big moment. That was the moment of Catholic power in the United States. In 33, they basically reined in the Jews in Hollywood by imposing the production code on them. And this made a big impression on John D. Rockefeller III, who was at Princeton at that point, And he decided to dedicate his life to basically make sure, making sure that these uh, inferior people... Uh, the Catholics uh, and the Blacks uh, did not reproduce. It was that simple. And in the beginning, the Birth Control League and Margaret Sanger used to say, "Is it going to? It's going to be uh, what's it going to be? Either contraception or abortion. We don't want abortion, so just use contraception." Well, that was a lie too. Uh, they eventually, she eventually got behind uh, abortion as well. But the abortion crusade was different uh, ethnically. The WASP, the WASP were behind birth control. I've already mentioned the Rockefeller families. By the late 60s, it was the Jews in New York City and in California who got behind abortion. I'm talking specifically about Bernard Nathanson, uh, who was one of the two people who overturned the the, uh, abortion laws in New York. Uh, uh, He was a Jew. Lawrence Later, his partner, was a Jew. Nathanson eventually became a Catholic uh after converting on abortion and he was the one who basically spilled the beans and he said if americans knew that it was a bunch of crazy jews from new york city they never would have gone for abortion that's the story and now it's out in the open now so now we know after 50 years of having the jewish sacrament imposed on us
0: Uh, i just my heart breaks for for ireland because they have just gone so far to the left I don't know how we're going to turn it around, but I'm I'm really heartened to see the turnaround in the US with the repealing. And um, I think Ireland will be a bit behind, but I think we'll be on the coattails. So it, it is positive to see the turnaround.
1: The situation in Ireland is very simple. It's a Catholic population who have turned away from the Catholic church, and now they have become slaves of their passions and slaves of these big interests who who knew all along that sexual liberation was political control. They knew all along. That's why they were promoting it. This is the way they colonized Ireland in a way that the British could not do for centuries because they got at the heart of the matter, which is the this, this sexual morality and and the, the church's control uh, over sexual morality. So in, in many ways, it's simple. All, all the Irish have to do is go back to church because it's already there. There are countries in the world where they've never had this uh, benefit. They never had that benefit. I'm, I'm, I'm in dealing with uh, Iran. Uh, I've, I've been there. For, well, it's almost 10 years now that I've been going to Iran, and they've got a much deep deeper problem because of the Islamic conquest, the Arabic conquest of Persian culture, it's a very deeply divided society, and they have real difficulty talking about uh, the, the big issues. They are in the middle right now of a, a, a revolution, the revolution uh, about the hijab. The hijab is the veil that the women wear. The women are now being motivated by CIA operatives like Masih al adinajad uh, into a full-scale rebellion against the government, and the government—you know—it's—it's—you're constantly in Iran forced to be, be choose between this CIA feminism on the one hand and Islamic fundamentalism on the other, and they both have their problems, you know. Uh, whereas that is not the case with Ireland. Ireland is simply a case of repentance. Uh, does anyone have buyer's remorse in Ireland? Is this the paradise that you thought it was going to be? Uh, if not, there's a way back out of it, and it's a return uh, to the church. It's very simple in Ireland. All you have to do is, start. I, I mean, we're doing it right now, is uh, explain the consequences that no one explained to you when Google took over your country and completely strangled the flow of information and, and, and stampeded uh, uh, the Irish citizens into this stupid referendum
0: i i fully agree you touched there on the rockefeller thing from some of the research i've looked into the swinging or the you know the the free love in the 60s and the psychedelic movement there seems that it was a concerted effort to break the traditional the nuclear family and to, it's it's been going on a long time and i think there was a, was it wesson or Wyson or whoevers name was he was an ex-rockefeller was it, i think he was ex rockefeller banker and he was a big proponent of this psychedelic movement say in the sixties and the Ellis and the acid and this, that and the other, the more I look into it, it seems to be the same players are behind it. This is a, an, a long time agenda. They sold women a lie. Like the, maybe the first way, maybe the first goal of feminism, there was merit to it. You know what I mean? Because women were being repressed in certain ways. Everyone's living a life that's um, counter to what, if you were to score yourself on fulfillment, we're all most of the modern world is they're living country to what's what's actually best for them do you know what i mean which i believe
1: would be absolutely tradition abs- you know. abs- absolutely look at the situation in germany right now the germans the, the americans blew up their pipeline the germans are facing uh a winter where they're not going to have energy for their factories, they're not going not to have energy to heat their apartments, and they're all saying, "Well, I guess we just have to tighten our belts. We have to." They they are completely docile because of the ruthless social engineering that was imposed on them by Jews, largely after World War II. They never got over it. They, they have internalized the commands of their oppressors. And so I told the Iranians, I said, if you go along with this, you better, before you go along with it, take a look at Germany. They are committing collective suicide right now, going off docilely accepting the American attack on their pipeline as somehow something that they can't overcome. This is your future. This is the future. Now, when you get back to the 60s, the '60s was a, a time of when my the baby boomer generation, of which I am a part, came into its uh, uh, majority, and they were opposed to the war, and so the CIA came up with a way of breaking the war the resistance to the, uh, uh, the the war in Vietnam uh, by promoting sex, drugs, and rock and roll, in that order. Uh, it was called MK Ultra. Uh, that was the program. You can look it up. It's all over the Internet. And the drug they were promoting at this point was uh, LSD, which had a deranging effect on people, no matter what they said. The band they used to promote it was the Grateful Dead. And uh, that's just part of our, our cultural patrimony right now. That is what it what it is. What it, it is what it was. The man, the brains behind this operation was Aldous Huxley who was a scion of one of the most important British families of the 19th century. Uh, His grandfather was uh, T. H. Huxley, who was known as Darwin's bulldog, the man who made Darwin, the man he is today. Uh, And Huxley wrote a book that basically explained the plan. It's called brave new world. I'm sure there are students in Ireland who read it in high school. This is the real stuff. This is the real plan. It's much more accurate than uh, uh, Orwell's novel, 1984. And part of the program, the part he emphasizes was drugs. It's called SOMA. The drug is called SOMA in uh, in Huxley's book. But uh, uh, what is it? What is SOMA? Well, it depends on when you're talking about. So if it's the Vietnam War, SOMA is going to be LSD. That's that's the, the drug that the ruling class elites will use to break up the anti-war movement. But right now, and then it became, uh, after the war, it was barbiturates. They kept experimenting. Uh, after uh, uh in the 80s it was Prozac uh it became OxyContin for a while but i think the now the the drug that is supposed to make the entire population of the united states of america completely docile to their uh, controllers is marijuana at one state after another has legalized marijuana including the state of michigan uh which is going to render uh the population in huxley's words Happy and docile. That's the plan for you. I don't know where it stands with Ireland, but that's the plan over here.
0: Yeah, and uh, Germany have announced that they want to bring in sensible mar- marijuana legislation They're on about limits to the, the strength and all this kind of nonsense. Yuval Noah Harari has spoken of this as well. Uh, realistically, what they want for our children is a VR headset drugged up to the eyeballs and in a, living in a, in a shoebox. And exactly what you said, the M culture, that's exactly what I was trying to touch on there. I think it was Wesson or Wyson. I can't think of his name, but he, he was the first kind of proponent of this whole kind of psychedelic thing. Now I see what's going on. I do beyond this. I do talk about this a little bit. They're pushing DMT now. They're, they're, this is what Joe Rogan and these guys are pushing. I mean, you're talking a platform. Joe Rogan's the biggest platform in the world. And he can't, he cannot complete an episode without pro- promoting uh, DMT, which is it, it, it's blast off stuff. They're now they want to time to phase out antidepressant drugs and use a DMT experience. So you have a guided. It, this is shaman, shamanism. Is what this is, to be honest, right. to call it what it is. This is what's the latest push, and it's been promoted by all the all the top top guys now, along with the UFO agenda.
1: Yeah, you're right. The whole point of these uh, so-called spokesmen, most of the people or the plurality of people that are speaking on Joe Rogan are Jews, and they get to promote their ideas. And uh, the, 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 the oligarchs are clear now that uh, they made, marijuana is the drug of choice. Uh, and it's supposed to, I think it's having an effect on the working class in Michigan, Uh, We have our printer in Michigan. It took nine months to get my last book, The Dangers of Beauty, printed. Normally, the turnaround time is six weeks. COVID may have played a role in that, supply chain issues. But I think one of the factors is you got the working force in Michigan smoking dope. And you just, you don't care. That's the whole point of marijuana. You just become docile. You kind of zone out. You really don't care about big issues. You're just happy to be stoned all the time. And you end up with a dysfunctional country like Jamaica, uh, uh, where uh, it's a religion. Uh, Bob Marley died of, this, uh, uh, died of lung cancer, so it probably had something to do with all the marijuana he smoked. This is the plan for the future. It's sexual liberation. It's pornography. Uh, it's drugs. And, and uh, you're, you know, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy eating bugs, uh, according to the menu prescribed by Klaus Schwab
0: uh it, it seems that um we're not we're we're going backwards we're not going forward like if you're starting to promote you know child sacrifice um experiences on psych a high a high level psychedelic drugs that would have been used by shamanic priests probably back in mesoamerica and what the, what i i, I love that the uh, film apocalypto with uh with a Gibson um directed but they left out a big part of it was the the psychedelics that these these people were taken before they committed these human sacrifices that they were all on it was a mushroom religion it was a psychedelic religion that they were doing but i i I think i just see the push back in that direction and and you're 100 percent correct with the 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 cannabis you don't want to do nothing it completely zaps all your motivation i think we need to have a level of personal responsibility and freedom you know if, if you can keep it in its place and smoke you know an odd one or something maybe that's not the end of the world but a a, a vast amount of people it puts them into like what you said they just they're stuck to the couch and they don't care
1: that's right and it's not a question of individuals the big question is how does he affect the population at large how is this going to affect your ability to do skilled labor skilled work at your job how how is it going to help uh you persevere through the difficulties you have raising children it's not it's going to be the exact opposite uh, I, I'm I'm too young. I, I'm I'm sorry. I'm too old to have experienced this. I remember when it came in. I when I became aware of it. It was 1969, and at that point, uh, you growing up meant alcohol. And I ha- noticed it was a fundamental difference uh, of the way alcohol affected you as opposed to mar- way marijuana affected you. And it, it affected the lyrics of the songs. It affected the music. It affected the people I knew. Uh, it ruined it ruined their lives. I didn't get involved in it because I was married. I got married when I was 21 years old in 1969. And that saved me a lot of heartache. Uh, and I say that because I watched my peers succumb to the problems that I was not succumbing to because they weren't married and I was. I just did a, a review of a book. It's in the last issue of Culture Wars about the boomer generation. Uh, by a, a woman who is, uh, you know, is seven years younger than me who went through this with her family. It's a, a graphic description of the effect that marijuana, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, specifically marijuana, had on her Catholic family, her big Catholic family during the 1960s. It's worth reading.
0: There, there seems to be more and more of a pushback um, at the moment. I, I can't think of the girl's name, but she, uh, it's probably similar to the person you're talking about, they've written a book now on on all the negative aspects of the what's going on in the culture like for young women they're being encouraged you know to have a career defer marriage defer pregnancy and there's there seems to be a large cohort ending up that they're they're unhappy but i think the science bears it out as well that all of us would probably have been better off you know paired off young and we can channel all that energy all that sexual tension where it's Meant to go naturally into the family, into the into the marriage, um, you know, and that seems to be the most successful
1: route. It's like money. It's it, munus is a word that uh, refers to gift and money, and 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 it also applies to sexuality. So you can use it. You can vet, invest the money uh, and uh, create a business, and that business will uh, support you for the rest of your life, and you'll be able to raise children, or you can piss it away. You can buy stupid stuff. You can get drunk. You can do, and you can just piss away the money. It's exactly the same thing with sexuality. You can use it constructively, which is to say in marriage, open to procreation, in which you'll create an entire new world. So when my my wife and I, uh, we've been married for 53 years now. When we celebrated our 40th uh, wedding anniversary, I looked around the room, and there was only one person in that room that didn't come about because of uh, our marriage. And that was my mother. Everyone else was the result of that marriage. It was a full room, either one way or the other, either the actual child or the, the, the husband of the, uh, our child or so on and so forth. That's that's what is. You can create a world for yourself. This is the sense I had in 1968, right around the time when the, when the shit hit the fan over here and the cultural revolution kicked off. I decided I, I I wanted a life. I wanted my own life. And the only way I could get that was by getting married. And that's what I got. And it worked. And I'm saying it can work now according to the same principles. It's not some secret that I have that I'm going to hold to myself. It's the obvious principles that brought us to this far. The generations of Irishmen have followed even during the toughest times like the the famines and all the persecution by the british they held on to this fundamental belief and that's what got them through and if they want to get through this which is much worse they're going to have to go back to those fundamental beliefs
0: i fully agree with you and it's a beautiful thing like what you're saying there you're in, you're in the room and you know they're, they're, everyone there is uh, the fruit of the marriage you know like it is something special about it and i think that's what god intended that is what it, I don't think that is what he intended. Um, right. What do you feel with the geopolitics? Like you know, the way there's this talk. You've got the, you've got the East v West, and uh, you know the multipolar order. Is the American hegemony has it become a toxic influence? I, I don't say become a toxic, toxic influence. There's so much good that's come from America, and uh, the Irish love America, and the uh, Americans love Ireland. But there's some kind of rot in the system at the top. You know, you've got the Russians are mocking them. You've seen the Russians this week. They're, right. they're completely on the opposite side. And I, you you mentioned that you were in Iran. So would you think that a multipolar kind of order might be better for, for the world in general? Maybe at this stage, do we need that? Like more go back to traditionalism, back to national nationalism. And I think I think you touched on it there. Like what's what's happened there with Germany and the Nord Stream? They're not our friends. They're, you know, <laughs> in Europe as a whole, like Germany's the economic engine of Europe. But um, what, what's your feelings then on that geo, on the geopolitical side though, and that kind of tug of war that's going on between the East and the West?
1: Yeah, well, Germany was the most powerful in the economy in Europe. Uh, it was the, 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 the fundamental, most basic, loyal ally of America. Uh, in NATO, it was the driving power behind NATO and the European Union. And now the people who are in charge of America are willing to wreck Germany. This is reckless. I mean, you have to make a distinction between the American people and the the government that is taken over and using all the resources for its own benefit. And the one group of people I knew I know who can make this distinction are the Iranians. I was in I was in Tehran it's almost 10 years ago and I'm uh, there's a crowd celebrating the something anniversary of the revolution. I'm surrounded by women in chatter and they're all chanting, you know, uh, I I understood uh, Allah, uh, Allah Allahu Akbar, uh, Allah is God is great. And then they start chanting something I don't understand. And I turn to my, uh, my translator and I say, what are they saying? He said, death to America. So I'm surrounded by ladies chanting death to America, but, but, and I'm the only guy in Tehran wearing a suit jacket and tie. So it's obvious, that you know, uh, where I come from. And uh, the only response I got was people politely asking me, like, where I come from and uh, how they feel about America. They can make a distinction between the government and the people. Well, we, uh, we, I mean, let me put it this way. The Catholic people of the United States of America are a conquered people. They're like Germans. That's exactly the situation we're in right now. We were conquered by a government that was supposed to represent us. And I'm talking about not just sexual liberation, which was, as I mentioned, aimed at Catholics, aimed at the Catholic Church because they were the the baby boomers, for the most part, were Catholics. Uh, It was the the destruction of their neighborhoods, which I describe in a book called um, The Slaughter of Cities. That was my experience growing up in Philadelphia. It wasn't obvious because the proxy warriors, as I said at the beginning of the show, were the blacks. They, the, 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 rock, the Ford Foundation was the main villain here in Philadelphia. They brought up blacks from the South. It was basically the, 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 the same type of plan that's being imposed on Ireland and all of Europe. It's basically this mass migration to overwhelm the native population, uh, dilute its political power, and, and render them strangers in their own country. That's what we were subjected to. That's what th- they tried it out on us, the Americans, the baby boomers. Uh, we were the first set of guinea pigs and now they're spreading it throughout the world. That's, that's why it's important to understand what's going on and to understand that the Catholic people of America are a conquered, a conquered nation. It's that simple. And the problem with conquered nations is that they oftentimes internalize the commands of their oppressors. And that's the problem with the Catholic church right now.
0: What's the end game? The people orchestrating this whole, you know, the whole thing the destroying of the nuclear family, the, the mass Im- immigration, the, the culture, destroying the, you know, the, the, all the bad ideas. What's, what's the end game for, the, for these people? Is it biblical? Does it go back to is there something that we're missing from the scripture that, that we're missing it in or like there's something here?
1: Yeah, it's called uh, Augustine described it as libido dominandi. It's domination. They want to dominate. It's the opposite of Christianity. Augustine said there are two cities, the city of God and the city of man. That's, that's the axis of human history. The city of God is based on love and service to your fellow man. That's what makes in many ways makes these Catholic populations like Ireland vulnerable. All you have to do is some guy come around and say, oh, homosexuals, they're a poor lot and blah, blah, blah. And the Irish go along and say, yeah, we'll give them uh, whatever they want. That's, that's, not, that's, that's subversion. So that's the city of God, love and service. The city of man is the opposite of that. It has to be, and what is Augustine's term for it is libido dominandi, the desire to dominate other people for your benefit. So Jesus Christ, it's like Jesus Christ and Dracula. Jesus Christ shed his blood so that you can have eternal life. Dracula sheds your blood so that he can have eternal life. That's the difference, that's what we're, that's what the end game. It's total domination of a world full of happy, docile, drugged out, porn watching slaves. That's it. That's the end game.
0: That's if we're lucky with. We've got this other scenario we didn't really talk about the carry on that went on in the world over the last two and a half years and uh, the, the attacks on civil liberties and the absolute insanity. You know, we have a, a lot of Irish people who are. Who are Saving their grand, and a lot of them they, just, they went along with the agenda. So you know they'll be lucky if um, if they're allowed to live happily ever after, throwing out their heads. To be honest, <laughs> in my yeah. in my opinion, they'll be lucky if that's their if that's what, if that's what, the way it goes. From.
1: Yeah, you're right. You're right.
0: But um, what do you feel around what's going on in Ukraine? There's been much made about this as of battalion, right sector, all of these um national socialists. Let's say under the command of um, Vladimir Zelensky, who is he's of Jewish descent. A lot of people's heads are spinning around in a circle about what's going on in Ukraine. What do you make of it all?
1: Well, this was uh, basically uh, another Jewish takeover of our foreign policy, just like the war in Iraq. Uh, what what you see here is uh, uh, a, Jew, a, a group of Jews who uh, had this ancestral animosity toward Russia because their parents uh, were subjected to pogroms in the late 19th century after the, the Jewish terrorists murdered the czar. Uh, they came over here and they've nurtured these, this grievance. And so uh, after uh, the fall of the Soviet Union, when they should have disbanded NATO, instead these people came to the fore. We're talking about the group called the neoconservatives, which came to power under uh, George Bush, uh, the, the second George Bush, took over uh, the foreign policy and they've been controlling it ever since. So in 2014, a Jewish lady by the name of Victoria Nuland married into the Kagan family, a big, important neocon family, uh, basically spent $5 billion to orchestrate a coup d'etat that overthrew the government, the democratically elected government, because that guy was going to do an energy deal with Russia, which they didn't want. And so at that point, it's been controlled by Jews ever since. Zelensky being the latest one. Uh, And the Jews now have made an alliance with the Nazis. How could this ever happen? Well, it has happened. The Azov Brigade, you can just look at their uniforms. They're Nazis, descendants of the Banderites. And now this group of people is determined, this group of Jews is determined to fight the Russians to the last drop of Ukrainian blood. The Ukrainians are, in in a sense, the middlemans, the innocent bystanders here. Uh, Their country has been taken over and it's been weaponized. And now uh, Russia has finally reacted uh, to their attack on the Russian uh, residents of the eastern part of the Ukraine. And they are slowly but surely winning this war. And there's an air of desperation now that is spreading through Ukraine. They have sacrificed thousands of men billions of dollars worth of equipment and now they're looking desperate and it looks there's there's talk now of a, a dirty bomb uh they're claiming zolensky's now claiming russia will set off a radioactive bomb uh, this makes no sense the russians are winning they don't need nuclear weapons this is obviously the setup for a false flag operation I've heard a report today that they're basically the Ukrainians are uh, evacuating Mykolaiv, which is the road on the road to Odessa. It looks as if they may set off this nuclear device in Nikolaev. Then they will blame the Russians for it. And this will uh, allow NATO troops, American troops, to basically storm Odessa and take over Odessa and use it as the, the beachhead for the American attack on Russia. This is. I fear it, this scenario is plausible. Uh, it's just completely reckless on the part of the United States. But it's also an admission that the Ukrainians have been defeated. And the only way the Americans are going to or NATO is going to pull this out of the fire is by having their stationing their own troops, all of NATO troops there on Ukrainian soil.
0: It's a very volatile situation. This rabid Zionism, it, you're come from the Catholic standpoint. I know that it's evangelical Christian element in in the u.s it's it's nearly like they want to bring on the apocalypse to have israel kind of front and center of it have you any thoughts on that
1: yeah it's uh the the dispensationalism is a crazy kind of evangelical uh religious sect uh they have basically taken over the evangelical people in the united states so if you it's a a curious mix here like a place like oklahoma where one of my sons lives it's uh they're all against abortion but they're all pro israel well don't you know that it's the same group of people that is promoting abortion that you're defending with israel apparently that they haven't gotten the memo same thing is true of southern indiana uh this is a big problem it's not so much a problem with the catholics the the catholic zionists are a a minuscule part uh largely paid to be catholic zionists people like george weigel and their think tanks down in in washington it's a much bigger problem with the, with the Protestants. Uh, but the, the, the theology does talk about uh, the, the restoration of the temple because they believe these, these, the, 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 Catholic, the Christian Zionists do not have the benefit of the Catholic Church. So they don't understand that the Catholic Church, these people, we Catholics, are the children of Moses. The, the, the evangelicals still think that the Jews are the children of Moses. That's, that's not the case. We are the children of Moses. It's stated clear in the Gospel of St. John. You think the fundamentalists would understand that. But they were taken over by this, uh, the footnotes to the, uh, 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 the, uh, one of the uh, Bibles that uh, uh, that uh, was brought out by the, by the Jews. It's, the name of the man is escaping. It's not Darby. It's someone else. But anyway, uh, they've been taken over by this theology and they're being used uh, by their leaders. Their leaders are bought off. Jerry Falwell, the former uh, head of the moral majority in the 80s, classic example. Uh, no one would know who he was except for the fact that Israel, he started supporting Israel. Israel, Menachem Begum gave him a jet to fly around the country and promote Christian Zionism. They want re- to want to rebuild the temple. If you want to know what happened when uh, Julian the Apostate uh decided to rebuild the temple read that chapter in the jewish revolutionary spirit it didn't turn out well it's not going to turn out well because uh god is not going to allow it to happen it may be the end of israel but it's not going to happen
0: yeah you made good points there um to me what looks like and i, I could be wrong maybe you know you know this Khazarian influencer that the Ashkenaz. i think it's one of the biggest cover-ups or lies in history kind of what's going on with like Look, and I'm only a layman when I look into some of these things in the Bible. It talks about Edom and Edomites, and uh, they would have been non-Semitic. And when you kind of put the links together, just at the surface, it's like they're not actually the chosen people of of what the Scripture defines. I know that's controversial, and I need people need to look into that themselves. But
1: no, we are we are the children of Moses. The Jews are the people who killed Christ, and they're enemies of the entire human race. That's Saint Paul who said that, and he should know he was one of them. We have a completely crazy theology, uh, a dual covenant theology that has crept into the entire Catholic Church, which is claiming that Jews can be saved without being baptized. This is completely heretical. Baptism is necessary for salvation. The classic example of the church fumbling the ball is when Ben Shapiro interviewed Bishop Barron. Ben Shapiro says, oh, am I going to hell? Like the snarky Jew asking kind of baiting the bishop the bishop uh gave a bumbling answer what he should have said is basically ben are, are you baptized uh if you're if you refuse to be baptized you cannot be saved next question that's it it's that simple and the church can't seem to articulate this anymore the church has been crippled by Uh, the imposition of a false narrative at the time of Vatican II, and I'm not questioning the validity of Vatican II, but uh, Nostra Aetate was weaponized into something called Catholic-Jewish dialogue, and that has crippled the Catholic Church. The ability to stand up to abortion has been crippled simply because of this illusion that Jews, who are the main proponents of abortion, are our friends. They're not our friends. They're not only our enemies; they are enemies of the entire human race, and the church has to proclaim that gospel.
0: Yes, it's it's heavy stuff, and and it's very controversial. And uh, like I know, it, it's not all of them, I suppose, that are in on it. But there's it, it's there's something there, and and people can do their own research on it. it, it it's kind of biblical because it, why do they want to destroy the the Western world what, why what's the obsession with destroying the family then you then you move on to the mass immigration of um you know people from the third world U- euthanasia abortion it's we're under attack as a culture as a people as a as a race we are under attack
1: yeah and why why are the jews in the forefront of this attack because their identity is hatred of logos logos is the order of the universe They hate the order of the universe. They became enemies of Logos when they killed Jesus Christ, who is the Logos incarnate. And from that point on, the only time they feel comfortable is when they're overturning the social order of your culture. It's for 2000 years. It's been that way. You know, you can name. I I wrote a book, The Jewish Revolutionary Spirit. I can talk about this beginning with the crucifixion going to the destruction of the temple, moving through the middle ages up to, you know, the whole story is there in that book if you want the details, but that's why we're in this situation because the Catholic church has stopped proclaiming the gospel and the interesting having, making these enemies of the church, pretending that these enemies are our friends. It's not the case. It's never going to be the case.
0: You know, this, this idea of Jewish, right? So, you know the story of the bible you had the hebrews and you have I- israelites and you have you know there's 12 tribes and then then this jewish thing pops up Do you know what i mean so there's there's definitions there like there's lost tribes which which i i i've been looking at some stuff that maybe the europeans could be potentially of the lost tribes i know that's another controversial thing is it's kind of this uh, this you know occult history or i i don't know if there's merit to it but it it, it makes a lot of sense so it's like, where, what's the, di- the difference then between Israel of the Bible, the Hebrews of the Bible, and the modern Jewish Babylonian <laughs> um, religion? Like, there, there's, do, you de- do you define the different things like when you're reading scripture or, you know, the different groups?
1: No, the, the turning point came when Jesus Christ arrived on this earth and the people who were his people, the chosen people, had to choose whether they're going to accept him or not. So the people who accepted him uh, became the children of Moses and they're known as Christians. Or the descendants of those people are known as Christians. The people who rejected him are known as Jews. At this, this is when the where the word Jew comes into being. It's in the Gospel of St. John. If you read that Gospel, he says uses the word Jew 71 different times and with one exception, it's pejorative. It's negative. And it has nothing to do with race. It has to do with rejection of Christ and rejection of the Logos. This is where the turning point took place. And so the passage that I've cited many times is, the parents of the man born blind refused to speak out of fear of the Jews because the Jews threatened to expel from the synagogue anyone who accepted Christ as the Messiah. Well, they're all Jews if you're talking about biology, about DNA. There's no difference here. The word Jew at this point means rejecter of Logos, rejecter of Christ. That's where their identity came into being. And they have have perpetuated this negative identity to this day as revolutionaries. That's the difference. That's the crucial turning point.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a good point. It's nearly, it, it's anti-Christ. I know that's a big it's a broad term. But that's, that's, the, that's, the, yeah.
1: that's the only identity they have. They have a negative identity. They don't have a positive identity. The majority of the Jews now, the Ashkenazi, they don't have DNA that goes back to Moses. They're not a Semitic people. They're a, a Turkey people. So, the only identity, it's not a religious identity because after the, cruci- after the fall of the temple, they couldn't sell it. They couldn't practice their religion. They didn't have a temple. They didn't have a priesthood. They didn't have sacrifice. So, they created a new religion called the Talmudic uh, synagogue religion, which is basically a debating society. So, there is, no, there is no religious continuity with the Old Testament, there's no biological continuity. It's a new religion uh, with a people who have a new identity.
0: That, that was what I found shocking. i mean, I done a good bit of research into this over the last couple of years. And that, and my naive assertion was, oh, no, the, the Jewish uh, people that kind of follow the Old Testament. And I look into it. They don't. It's like, you know, it's not what your your superficial idea would be from the start of the Bible to the finish. You kind of see, you know, the, the battles between the paganism, the uh, Moses on Mount Sinai, they make the golden calf. Every time someone turns their back, they're back into worshiping pagan gods sacrificing children x y and z and that's kind of the story going through but then this modern what what their modern beliefs and and stuff that they go through is it's nothing got to do with no what else as christians will believe
1: no and it's got nothing to do with traditional judaism either this this became completely apparent in the moment when the jews said that abortion is a fundamental jewish value as soon as they said that, they revealed their true identity, which is that they are Moloch worshipers. This was the split that took place as soon as, as soon as Moses brought the chosen people, brought the Hebrews out of Egypt, they fell immediately into idolatry and they started worshiping Moloch as symbolized by the golden calf. This is the continuity that goes back beyond, beyond uh, the crucifixion that there was this conflict among the Hebrew people. They were always sliding into Moloch worship. Well, they're those Jews that rejected Jesus Christ, those Jews who killed him, they are the descendants of the Moloch worshipers. And they are the ones who are promoting abortion. Now that's the continuity among the, the Jewish people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think we're, we're on the money with it. And I think it, the influence it's it, it accelerated maybe into. The- late 1700s 1800s and it's been absolutely it luxury look at our world look at the difference in the world and it, it, it's evident what's what's happened we've covered a lot of stuff michael it's great to have you and your your well thank you. Knowledge. thank you and um, what we normally do michael is we normally open the floor for a few questions would you be up for that and um
1: i can do for about i i gotta be somewhere but i can let's let's take 10 minutes of questions
0: 100 percent. thank you so much brilliant we'll go there straight away patricia have you got uh, a couple of questions there
1: yes uh, thanks geffen um uh, thanks uh dr jones um uh, my first question i have two questions for you if you don't mind my first question is kind of irish related father malachi martin was a controversial figure in the roman catholic community regarding his his books and novels regarding the pa- the papalcy and the third secret of Fatima. In his books, he alleged he was a translator when the Third Secret was revealed. I just kind of want to know what your opinions on uh, Father Malachi was. Some people liked him, some people don't. I'd just like to know what your thoughts on him is. Yeah, Father uh, Malachi Martin was an agent of uh, the Jews during Vatican II. The full story is in the Jewish revolutionary spirit. Uh, Basically, two Jewish organizations, the uh, B'nai B'rith and the American Jewish Committee, we're looking for uh, a, a way to uh, influence the Second Vatican Council by having the Church declare that the, the the Jews were not responsible for the death of Christ. That was Malachi Martin's job. Uh, he worked with Cardinal Bea. He was working behind the scenes. He was being paid by the Jews to do this, uh, and it didn't it didn't succeed. He, he got involved with uh, uh, Bob Kaiser was the uh, Time Magazine correspondent for the Vatican Council. He became involved with uh, Bob Kaiser's wife. Uh, She was going to be paid uh, by the big uh, Jewish publishing houses to get a job, and they were going to run off together. That didn't happen. But, yeah, he was a subversive figure, and I think everything he did after that, uh, which always got published by big New York publishing firms, uh, was part of that uh, a subversion. I mean, I t- I talked to him. I, I he was a, a charming guy. He must have kissed the Blarney Stone because he was always telling you things that you wanted to hear. Uh, but uh, I, I just could never. Y- you couldn't trust him. You can't. You couldn't trust the guy. Okay. And my second question is: Do you do you think pornography fractures the soul and deletes any sense of moral character from the mind of those addicted to it? Pornography obliterates your ability to think. It's like a neutron bomb going off in your brain. You become so distracted. It arouses the sexual passions. And Aquinas uh, said in this regard that lust darkens the mind. That's exactly what pornography does. And I'm saying even, even if you don't get involved in, in actual sexual activity, it will, it will obliterate your ability to, thought, to think. And I think that this is now the plan One of the recent revelations is that Twitter is one of the biggest promoters of pornography. And and the 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 pernicious thing about Twitter is you never know when it's going to show up. This is our new frontier before this. I mean, yeah, pornography on the Internet is bad, but when you, you have to type in a certain type of uh, website and you don't want to go there because it'll screw up your computer. And so as soon just as you got understand how to deal with that, suddenly you're on Twitter and you're typing in something about doing some research and suddenly you're bombarded with pornography. The whole point of this is to obliterate your ability to think. That's why it's important. And then if they can get you involved in sexual activity, perverted sexual activity, that's a bonus beyond that. And that's the way they control you. Thank you for that. You're welcome.
0: Hey, Dr. Jones. My question is, Club of Rome member and author of The Limits to Growth, Dennis Meadows, claimed the Earth's carrying capacity is 1 billion, perhaps 2 billion max, and that one way or another, this is what lies ahead. Several other globalists have expressed similar sentiments over the years. With that in mind, and considering the huge consolidation of globalist power over the past three years, do you believe we're in the early stages of a mass depopulation program? And if so, how do you see it playing out over a mid to longer-term time frame? Thank you.
1: Yeah, the the, the oligarchs, uh, the eugenic uh, wasp uh, rulers of the world. Uh, Uh, the World Economic Forum, uh, the Rockefellers. These people never gave up on the idea of limiting population. They've always been crying doom. Uh, The population bomb was written by Paul Ehrlich in 1968, uh, and it predicted that India was going to starve to death by 1976. Well, at that point, India started exporting food. Uh, So it it never worked. It it has always been wrong. And for someone to make the preposterous claim that the earth can only support one or two billion people. We'll have to explain, well, how is it that we have six billion people now? Are those four billion people living without any support? No, it's wrong. It's wrong because it's based on a fallacious idea that goes back to Malthus, who was a a parson, an Anglican parson, uh, who basically had Ireland in mind. And the main thing about Ireland is it's an island. Well. Uh, that's an island. The world is not an island. The world is bigger than an island. And the problem, uh, so everything got extrapolated from a false premise, uh, which is basically that uh, food uh, production increases arithmetically, but population increases geometrically. What these people fail to realize is that labor is the source of all value. This, this is, anytime you produce a person, there's a lag when that person grows up. But as soon as the person does become uh, uh, an adult, Uh, he starts producing the food that he needs to to supply. That is why the world has never starved to death. That is why the world uh, can support 6 billion people when these people say it can only support 1 billion.
0: Stephen, i just seen you put up your hand. It's just a quick question there, because our 10 minutes are nearly over there if you have a question, Stephen.
1: Um, I I wasn't expecting to get in on the question, but thanks very much for uh, hanging on, uh, Mr. Jones. Um, On the... uh, the point you made about returning to the faith i just said i'd I'd share my story with you and uh, it's a very short one i've recently returned back to going to church but more importantly i've returned to going to men's rosary groups who are away from the church do you think that that uh, a link with god is stronger now away from the church with all the evils that are in it such as let's say an out an outdoor rosary um i do know that in the bible there's a mention of wherever more than two of you gather in my name i will be there um could could you perhaps impart some 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 quick thoughts on that yes the rosary only has meaning in conjunction with the church you cannot you can the 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 ancient phrases extra ecclesium nulla salis. There's no salvation outside of the church. And people have weaponized this to say, well, that group is not going to be saved and blah, blah, blah. What it means is all of your efforts only have meaning within the church because the church is the source of grace. If you cut yourself off from that source of grace, you can say all the rosaries you want and they're not going to have any effect. It only has effect because of, uh, by being in the church. Now, there are all kinds of people who are all upset about you know Pope Francis and the Jesuits and I'm upset too okay but uh, uh, Jesus Christ knew about this and he talked about it in the in the Gospels and I'm talking about the parable of the boat the boat is tossed about by storms because the boat is the symbol of the Catholic Church it's the bark of Peter every Uh, uh, church father understood this the meaning of the parable the church is always tossed about by storms because the devil has power in this world especially if you give it to him and when the church is being tossed about it always seems that jesus christ is asleep and uh, okay. so the, the, it goes on. Uh, the, the apostles, finally, the storm's getting worse. Finally, the apostle can't stand it anymore. And they go to Jesus Christ and they wake him up and they say, don't you care that we're all going to die? And at that point, Christ raises his hand and calms the waves. And then he says, where is your faith? That's the, that's the parable of our day. That is the relevant parable for our day. The, if you jump out of the boat, you drown immediately if you stay in the boat you may get seasick but eventually the waves will calm down and you'll make it to where you're going that's the point of that parable
0: good good answer um dr jones thanks a million for coming on the podcast and i hope you come back to us again in the future sometime i'd be happy to so much ground thanks a million um dr jones
1: thank and, you for uh, having me
0: thank you for coming on I'd just like to ask you, if you're listening to this after um on the recording, will you please share as far and wide as you can, because we're only growing and we're starting off. So thanks, guys, and good luck.